the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Good afternoon. I'm Jim Stanley. It's my privilege to sit in for Brother Bert Harper today. I'm along with Dr. Alex McFarland. And Alex, are you at home today? I am in the great state of North Carolina, home state of Billy Graham, Andy Griffith, and the place where the Wright brothers invented the airplane, North Carolina. Amen. You know, that was just such an easy yes or no question for him. That <laughs> well, we North, we, we North Carolinians are a proud folk. Are you? We love, yes. Uh, right. And... You know, uh, folks, this is Exploring the Word. Alex and Jim Stanley here. So honored that you're with us. And uh, Proverbs is where we're in the Word of God today. Do you know what's amazing? Um, There is a lot of history here. And Jim, there's a lot of Christian history. Mm -hmm. And it's been my privilege to go up and down the coastal plain where we have a lot of listeners in wonderful places like Nags Head and the Outer Banks and Swan's Quarter and Moorhead City and Wilmington. And um, you've heard of the famous colonial preacher, George Whitfield, probably, great British preacher. All up and down the North Carolina coast, you can find places where George Whitfield preached, and also John Wesley. In fact, my little town of Pleasant Garden, North Carolina, um, the, John Wesley preached here in the late 1700s, and the little town of Pleasant Garden was birthed out of a John Wesley revival. Mm. Isn't that something? Amen. You know, uh, speaking of revivals, uh, there's one going on at Asbury right now. Amen, amen. I've been hearing about that all weekend. How about you? Yes, sir, me too. Uh, Asbury is a lovely college, and uh, the fact that, you know, they have cyclical revivals from time to time. I seem to remember one in the 70s um, yes. that's, you know, kind of lit a flame there. And so we just pray that God would continue to bless them and and be with them and, and help. Maybe that will be a spark to the revival of, of the United States. You know, it, it can start anywhere. It doesn't Amen. have to start, you know, just in the biggest church or the smallest church. God can use any place, any time to glorify his name, can he? He can. You know, Bert Harper has, over the years, talked much about the Asbury College revival that you mentioned, you know, now I suppose five decades ago, right? And folks, um, you may have heard some of the news reports that, uh, what's that? I'm sorry, the way you said that, I'm thinking I really am old. So. No, well, but, but no, see, revivals do seem to come in 50-year mm-hmm. increments. I mean, it really is cyclical, and it's like they're in, in um, uh, Exodus where it says there arose a generation that did not know Joseph or Joseph's God. And, Jim, I think we're in that way. I mean, there was this incredible movement called the Jesus Movement of the late 60s up to the mid-70s. And we are at a time that we need a fresh encounter with the living Savior. And the word is that last week they had a chapel service at Asbury College that was just going to be a regular chapel service. And it ended up going 12 hours of worship. Mm. And, um, you know... The, a lot of people have made a lot of very good observations about, you know, Billy Graham said revival is like the church turning back to the book of Acts, things like that. We need that. And, Jim, on this first day of the week, um, or first day of the broadcast week, may we begin our time with prayer. And, Jim, would you lead us in a prayer seeking the presence of Jesus and revival in our nation? And then we'll get into the scriptures. But could we just agree together for revival for America. Yes, sir. Father, just as we've seen your hand move throughout history, we know that you have not yet given up on America. And the reason that we can see that is just like the spark of revival that's starting at Asbury. Father, the protection that you continue to give your church here in America. Now, Father, there are times that that we seem to think that you may be giving up on us but then we see these rays of hope to know that you haven't yet. And the only way that we could prevent you from giving up on America is if we give up on you. 
and turn our hearts away from Christ instead of praying that you would bring us together as a people of God. Lord, that you would help us set aside uh, denominational differences and focus on a true relationship with you. And Father, you do that by the indwelling power of your Holy Spirit leading us together in unity. So Father, we ask that you would do just that, Mm -hmm. that you would bring Amira together in unity and that you would take and move your spirit among your people. Because Father, it's only by the breath of God that we can have a fresh breath of revival in America. Now, Father, we ask that you would bless this program, help us to to part your words carefully, if you will. And then, Father, we also ask that you would continue to be with the rescue workers in the Syria, Turkey uh, yes, yes. earthquake situation that's gone on there, the rescue efforts, the recovery efforts. Father, there's now more than 25,000 people that have died in that earthquake. And Lord, that means there are 25,000 families that have been impacted, not to not to conclude all the friends and, and loved ones, but Father, 25,000 families have been impacted, and we ask that you would minister by your Spirit there. Now, we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Thank you, Jim. Well, it's my pleasure. Well, uh, folks, uh, we're going to get started into Proverbs, and Alex, if memory serves me correctly, I think we're in chapter 17. Exactly, exactly. I was doing a little traveling last week, so I missed a couple of days, but I appreciate you and Bert covering. And um, Bert, as you know, I'll say this, we'll get to Proverbs 17. Bert had the honor, and I'm sure it was a great thrill for him, he opened up the Mississippi State Legislature with prayer. Sure did. Uh, He was in the the, um, state capitol of Mississippi on Thursday. Jackson, Mississippi. And you know, I just think that's such a great honor that he got to do that, and we were, we were just rejoicing for him, weren't we? We sure were, and you know, it's funny because uh, we won't forget the time that the president mentioned the area between uh, what was it, Louisiana and Alabama, that the hurricane may be hitting. It's also known as Mississippi, and that's why I <laughs> thought that was cute. Uh, but no, we we do rejoice with him, and we're very glad for him uh, that he was able to do that and be a testimony unto Amen. the Lord. So in Proverbs, the 17th chapter, I know that you have some verses that you really want to cover, but there is one that I think if we look at it, and it's the very first verse there in yeah. Proverbs, the 17th chapter, it reminded yeah. me of uh, Peter you know, talking about going up on the roof to to stay out of strife. But um, uh, there in the 17th chapter, and I'll mm-hmm. be reading from the New King James Version, it says, Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Now, yeah. so my bag, me and a bag of trail mix and quietness is better than a house full of the best barbecue with strife. Uh, amen. That that's the 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 JSV. That's right, Jim Stanley version. Is that right? (laughs) Yes, sir. And do you know what this verse, by the way, folks? Proverbs seventeen one is very much similar to Proverbs fifteen seventeen, a couple of chapters back. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is Mm. than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. And of course, Proverbs seventeen one. This is one of those verses that's almost become like a saying in our culture. Better is a dry morsel and quietness therewith. In other words, peace, uh, harmony, than a house of sacrifices full of strife. And Jim, um, you know, bigger is not always better. Right. And and more can actually be less. Um, the point is this. You know what great riches is? You know what success and opulence is? It's a house where the presence of the Lord dwells. And mm. you know what? I've I've been, we've all been places that were, you know, you had to walk on eggshells and then other places that just were full of love and grace. You know, one of the things I love about AFA, folks, if you've never been there, sometime treat yourself and go to Tupelo. But AFA is full of grace. I've been in and around this ministry for 13 years, 
and it, it's just full of love and full of grace. And, and a, a workplace or a home that truly has the peace of the Lord there, that's a blessing, isn't it, Jim? It, it sure is. Uh, and I can tell you, having been the recipient of that grace over the years that I've been here and the kindness they've shown to me and my family, the kindness they've shown to other staff members here, you know, this is one of the places that, that it, should you ever have the chance to work here, you'd want to. Uh, and, I, and I mean, and our board, our producer is shaking his head in agreement with that. And as I look around, I see other folks shaking their heads in agreement. They're not on camera. So, you know, they're, <laughs> they're just agreeing. Uh, Alex, there in the second verse, would you like to go ahead? A wise servant shall have rule over a son that causeth shame and shall have part of the inheritance among the brethren. See, you know, in the Bible, there's a lot of distinction between a son and a servant or, you know, blood kin versus like an employee. But it says just a servant who may not be blood kin has rule or authority over a, a born son who is, uh, it uses word causes shame, foolish in sin, and a servant will have some of the inheritance uh even over and above or with a, a natural-born relative. What is saying, this is about character. You know, Jim, I would submit Proverbs seventeen two is about character. Mm. Um, if you've got character and righteousness, you're going to go places. On the flip side, you might be blood kin, but if you don't have character and righteousness, you're, you're not going to make it. No, and and I agree with that fully. Verse 3 says, the refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. You know, and I was curious about the refining pot and the furnace, so I, I looked up. You know, there's only a couple of hundred diff degrees difference in the melting point of silver and gold, but it takes more heat to refine the gold than it does the silver. And then when we look and think about the refiner's fire, we see that the Lord is smelting our hearts, if you will, and he's doing those tests on our hearts to see how we will how we will have served him or how we will serve him. Well, amen. That that's true. What a great picture this is. Um you remember that Steve Green song, Refiner's Fire? Yes, sir. That was a great song back in the probably late eighties. But God is, like you say, purging our heart. And um actually we need to be very grateful that he does that. Amen. This is exploring the word. That was Dr. Alex McFarland. I'm Jim Stanley in for Bert Harper, and we'll be back with you straight ahead on AFR. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Amy Coney Barrett, Associate Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. She is a former circuit judge as well as a former law school professor. Psalm 106.3 reminds us of the importance of justice. Blessed are they who observe justice, who do righteousness at all times. Right now with this in mind, would you pray with me? Dear Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Amy Coney Barrett as she serves the United States Supreme Court. We ask this in Jesus' glorious name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. A nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Lots of people enjoy tracing back their heritage from generation to generation. But Dr. Tony Evans says we can do the same thing with the food on our dinner table. He'll start there and work backwards as we spend two minutes with Tony. When you go to a grocery store, that's not your source. You have to understand, all that is is a resource, and you got plenty of resources. You can go to store here, there, over there, because there are plenty of stores, because no store is your source. You go to the vegetable section or the fruit section, that means there's a farmer somewhere. That farmer has planted a seed. That seed has produced vegetables and fruit. They just get shipped to the store so you can have easy access to it. But in order for the farmer to do what the farmer did so that there's something in the grocery store for you to buy, he had to piggyback on God. 
He had to piggyback on sowing and reaping because God provided rain, the soil, the seed, the sun. God provided the whole package. No God, no Kroger's. No God, no Tom Thumb. No God, no food. You, you eat steak, you eat pork, you eat that. Okay, a store ain't make them animals. God set a process in creation where animals could reproduce. Why? Because it starts with God. It all starts with God. And if you miss that, that he is the owner, he is the source, he is the provider, all you're doing is accessing something. And it's all a flow and to be motivated out of grace. Learn how to keep money in its place and God in his. Check out Tony's CD series, Kingdom Stewardship, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God in an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Somehow you see through my heart And you welcome me with open arms Just as I am In the good and the bad You still understand And you never stop loving me Just as I am Welcome back to Exploring the Word on the American Family Radio Network. Alex McFarland here along with Jim Stanley. And we're in Proverbs chapter 17. So much priceless wisdom here. If you can turn in your Bible in the Old Testament, book of Proverbs, and then in a few minutes we'll take calls. But um, Jim, there's there so many Bible verses that are like truisms in our culture and in our world. And just like it says there in verse 1 that, you know, it's be better to have just a, a few crumbs and peace and joy rather than a great feast and strife. Well, it goes on, and there, there are a lot of these verses, and we'll come to these folks that um, they're just truisms and axioms that human nature has proven out to be accurate. Verse 4 says, A wicked doer gives heed to false lips, and a liar gives ear to a naughty tongue. Mm. Um, what, you know, bad talk. Uh, inappropriate talk, profanity. Jim, some people can listen to that. Some people don't. I, you know, I'm no saint, but I'll tell you, even before I was saved, I couldn't listen to nasty talk. I remember when I was in college, Jim, before I was saved, I got a job selling cars because I love, ever since I was a child, I've been obsessed with all things automotive. And I remember... um, selling cars and sometimes i would walk away and they they said uh yell goody goody two shoes that's what they called me Mm. and it wasn't that i was trying to be up on some moral high horse i just i just wasn't going to listen to filthy talk but proverbs warns about you know um listening to that kind of thing and we're we're not to do it verse five whoso mocketh the poor reproaches his maker and he that is glad at calamities shall not be unpunished. Um, Jim, have you ever known people that they just love to pass on bad news? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, there are those that are already thinking of rebuilding in Syria and Turkey. And so Mm -hmm. they're looking at what they're going to get from that rather than how to help those who who are so needy right now. Now, uh, the first part of verse 5 there, Alex, I think is telling. It says, he who mocks the poor reproaches his maker. We yeah. have to think about that because we are created how? In the image of God. In the image of God. And so if we're mocking the poor or maybe those who are handicapped in some way, then all we're doing is is basically spitting in God's eyes and said, yeah, you messed up on them. Mm. But you did great on me. And the other side of that is, boy, Jim Stanley's really messed up. Mm -hmm. But the poor person there, you're blessing them. Yeah. You you know, it seems like 
everywhere I drive, you go up to a major intersection and there'll be people, you know, panhandling. And I know it, it's unfortunate. It, it really is unfortunate that we have um, a lot of government programs of welfare and things like that. But I, I've often thought about this verse that uh, we are in a fallen world mm-hmm. and I, you know, I believe in hard work and self-reliance, but I never like to hear somebody be mocking or making fun of the homeless or the poor people or the, the beggars, because you're right, Jim, they're made in God's image. They're a sinner for whom Christ died. Even fallen as we all are, Jesus still loves us, each and every one. And I know there's people that do right, there's people that do wrong, but... um I, I really do think we need to keep a humility before God and uh, charity and mercy before mm. those less fortunate than us because um, that, that, be, that could be any one of us. Jim, uh, I don't want to get us off on a tangent, but I'm telling you, if you got a roof over your head and a bowl of beans on the table, uh, we got a lot to be grateful for, don't we? We sure do. And, and, you know, for a great deal of the folks who might be doing the mocking, you know, you think of... Brother, most of us are three to six months away from being with them. You know, that's true. If you think about it, and that's that's hard to think about, but by and large, most of us, you know, we we tend to to spend everything we make, and so mm. we don't have the and I, and I know that's covered in proverbs, but you know, we haven't stored up anything in a warehouse. Uh, anyway, yeah. I understand what you're saying, and you're absolutely right. You know, we uh, we're having. In fact, it's funny you said beans because we're having taco soup tonight, and oh, so uh, I'll and, be right over. Uh, well, you come ahead. There'll be fresh <laughs> cornbread to go with it. So there's that. Uh, Amen. But we have to be careful. We have to remember that you know we're instructed to help the poor. Now, I have to. I, I don't want to go off on a tangent either. But if you see someone holding a sign that says "We'll work for food," offer them something to do. Mm-hmm. And if they say they'd just rather have the money, then you know what? Yeah. That's what's called a panhandler. If yeah. you find somebody that's really needy and they have a sign that says we'll work for food, they'll pretty much do anything. But yeah. go with what God tells you to do. And and I mean that because if you give somebody a $5 bill and you're giving it unto the Lord, it's not your responsibility what they do with it. Amen. Let's Brother, go on to verse 6, shall we? Verse 6 is about grandchildren, and it's, it's a beautiful verse. Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. Mm. Uh, excellent speech becometh not a fool, much less do lying lips a prince. So there are all these contrasts, folks, about excellent, upright, positive, godly speech uh, versus lies. All right, um, I'm going to skip down, if you would. It, it talks about, basically, what we esteem something to be worth. Um, somebody giving a gift uh, views it like a precious stone. You know, uh, In other words, any way you look at it, it's going to be good. Mm-hmm. But I love verse 9. He that covers a transgression seeketh love, but he that repeateth a matter separates very friends. To cover a transgression, Jim... It's showing grace. Am I right on this, Brother Jim? There's some things you just got to let it go. Well, there you know are, what I mean? <laughs> I agree. There absolutely are. And the thing here, it's not talking in verse 9. He who covers a transgression seeks love. It's not saying that you lie about the transgression. It's not saying that you do this. It's simply saying that if, if there has been a transgression against you, it's just like Alex said, you know, let it go. Because that turns into bitterness. And, man, Mm. bitterness is really hard to get rid of once it takes root. And then that goes to what you mentioned earlier about uh, one of the verses. He who repeats a matter separates friends. So, Mm. in other words, if somebody has done something and you're looking to love them by just saying, yeah, you know, that's okay, it doesn't matter. And then somebody comes up and says, hey, what about what so-and-so did to you? You just simply say, yeah, man, that's that's in the past. We we've moved on, um, mm. and so. But he who then takes that on to the to the church, we call them a busybody, don't we? 
Yeah, we do. And let me just say that no church can long survive this thing called the rumor mill. Mm. Um, and maybe we'll do a show on that. But be one that, uh, you know, Proverb, I'm sorry, First uh, Corinthians 13 about love. Love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. And uh, look, we have been shown mercy by Jesus. Mm. The Lord Jesus has shown us mercy. We need to show mercy to others as well. Verse 10, a reproof, in other words, a correction, enters more into a wise man than a hundred stripes into a fool. The Bible has a lot to say about a gentle reproof, Mm -hmm. a correction. And if somebody's wise, just a a gentle word, and i got to tell you, I need it. Jim, I've had people um, give me a, a correction and a reproof, and I needed it, and I do need it. Mm-hmm. But that's better than a hundred lashes on the back of the foolish person. So let's be teachable. I mean, that's the thing. That's as long a great as word. Learn, yeah, you know, um, uh, let's be. Te- I'm preaching at Alex here. Come on, <laughs> let's let's Alex be a learner and be willing to to be taught. Um, verse 11, an evil man seeketh only rebellion. Therefore, a cruel messenger shall be sent against him. Jim, the Bible has a lot to say against rebellion. And isn't that something that the person who seeks rebellion, Proverbs seventeen eleven says they're evil. Mm. Isn't that something? No, it is. I mean, it just, it, it goes back to the heart of the person. You know, what's coming out of that heart? Is it forgiveness? Is it love? Or are you trying to go, you know, so we've got all the salmon coming upstream and mm. you're the one that's trying to get back down the hill. You know, yeah. that, that doesn't work out very well. So, and I'm not saying go, I want to be clear, I'm not saying go with the flow. I'm simply saying that somebody's always seeking to cause trouble, then they're, they're sometimes beyond help. Does that make sense? It, it does. And you know, one of the things that most concerns me for our country, that's why, you know, I, I rejoice over the revival in Kentucky, and I'm praying that revival would sweep across America. And, um, you know, we're going to have an event in Tennessee, April 21 through 23, uh, Paris, Tennessee, and we're going to be praying for revival. And I hope people listening will come to our conference with myself and Abe Hamilton and Bert Harper and the Addisons. Um, you can go to my website and learn about the Truth for New Generation Conference in Alex April. AlexMcFarland.com. AlexMcFarland.com. That's right. We're praying for revival. But, you know, last night after the Super Bowl, Kansas City won. I didn't watch it, but it was in the news. Well, there was rioting in um, Philadelphia. Yeah. And pe- people were smashing windows because their team lost. Well, that's rebellion. That's lawlessness. And we need to pray Sure, we need to pray for people to get saved, but we need to pray for the the one the Bible calls the restrainer, mm. the Holy Spirit of God, to restrain and hold back evil, because we don't want to be a nation of rebellion. Um, verse 12, and being from the Carolinas, I know something about this verse, let a bear robbed of her whelps meet a man rather than a fool in his folly. Uh, Jim, I've got a friend who was out in the woods, and, and he wasn't really hunting, but he was just out walking with his dog in the woods, and he accidentally walked up on a mama bear and two or three cubs. And he said that he almost lost his life. This mama bear chased him, and he said he knew he was going to get <laughs> cut to pieces. And he said, I simply stopped and prayed, Dear Jesus, help me, help me. And suddenly, this mama bear stopped and turned around and went back. But verse 12 of Proverbs 17 is so, it's reality, a bear, and you tamper with those little cubbies, uh, you're better off with an angry bear than a fool in his folly, says verse 12. Now that is strong pictorial language, isn't it? It is. I, I remember visiting a National Park in, in a trip up to Tennessee, and we had gone in and, you know, you could ride around a great deal of it. But uh, we noticed that there was a, a kind of a little crowd gathered, so we pulled over and walked over, and there were two or three cubs running around. And mm. probably about 50 to 100 yards away, you could see a mama bear up in the top of the tree. And you had mm. the park rangers that were kind of blocking the tourists who wanted to go up and pet the cubs. 
And mm. they said, you know, that bear looks like she's a long way away. But if one of these cubs cry out, you basically you're done. She said she'll slide yeah. down that tree and be on you in a minute. I know. I know. And so what what the Bible is saying here is, look, um, you think tangling with a an angry bear would be bad, and it would, mm. even worse than to get tangled up with a fool in his folly. Now, what is foolish? Dishonesty, yeah. unrighteousness, lying, stealing, plotting, even things like gossiping or passing on a false report. And the the dangerous thing about this, folks, is that behaviors turn into habits, and habits turn into a life. And that's why we really do. The Bible is very clear. Pursue righteousness. And Paul in 1 Corinthians 15 said, I die daily. Why Why do I lay my life down on the altar before Jesus every, every day? I die daily that I might live for Jesus Christ. Um, Jim, the Lord cares so much about our character, doesn't he? He sure does. And he he's kind of like the park rangers in that he's trying to protect us from the evil, but if we push through and we ignore him, then it's like verse 13 says, whoever rewards evil for good, evil will not depart from his house. Why? Mm. Because you've moved past that protective barrier that Christ would offer, and you've stepped smack dab in the middle of, of a fool in his folly from verse 12, if you will. And so uh, we are at basically paying evil to stay in the house, and evil doesn't want to go. Oh, wow. that That's a powerful uh, picture there. Jim, somebody called in one time, and, um, you know, I know we've only got a couple of minutes before this break, and folks, I want to give the phone number. Here's the number for Exploring the Word. It's 888-589-8840. If you want to call in with a, a Bible question, we would love to hear your call in just a few moments. 888 But, Jim, we had the question, I guess, a year ago. Somebody said, why is God so interested in right behavior? And I said, well, think about this. It has to be because he loves us. Because, look, if everybody behaves right, that's not going to make God bigger or better. He's God. And if everybody behaves lawlessly, that's not going to diminish God. He he doesn't change. I I have to conclude that God's call is, God's admonition to get saved and get right and do right, it's because he loves us and he's trying to protect us from damage we might inflict upon ourselves. Amen. Well, folks, go ahead and get your phone calls in at 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. Jim Stanley with Dr. Alex McFarland and you on Exploring the Word here on AFR. Forget about Facebook. The last 10 days we've been banned twice and is unbanning a word. They put us under the ban. Christians and conservatives don't need your YouTube. Banned one day, banned again. AFR programs are now live streaming on the AFA streaming app. Now you can get shows like today's issues straight from the source. Put back on the next. Just say unbanned. Unbanned. Just search AFA streaming or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. The core of all of the difficulty that we endure here as human beings, it comes down to this. God's word or man's word. One of the major features that has contributed to this degradation of society in our country, in America in particular, is that we have lost our understanding of the transcendent, surpassing glory of God. Tune in to the Hamilton Corner, weekdays at 5 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. Let's see, if something costs less, but people are happier with it, that sounds like something to look into, and that's MediShare. Maybe you've heard switching to MediShare to pay for health care can save the typical family 500 bucks a month, and that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan, double MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge nationwide PPO network. So, yeah, you can save a ton and like it better 
Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. So if you're self-employed or part of the gig economy or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. A very, very smart use of two minutes. Here's the number you need. 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. At 4.11 p.m. February 5th, prior to its live airing of the 65th Grammy Awards, CBS tweeted, we are ready to worship. This was in response to a tweet from self-described non-binary singer Sam Smith, who later rendered a perverted performance of a song titled Unholy, in which he depicted himself as the devil, literally. No one should be surprised that CBS and the Grammys celebrate perversion and Satan worship. The scriptures told us this was coming. It should spur Christ followers to again recognize the Bible is true and that the harvest is plentiful. Let's work. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jesus is alive. Jesus is Make no mistake, anytime you say Jesus and, you're adding something that's insignificant because Jesus is enough. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Jim Stanley along with Dr. Alex McFarland, and it's my pleasure to be with you. By the way, I have forgotten, maybe it's a what they call a Freudian slip. Uh, we are on video now, and you can see that by going to Facebook.com and doing a quick search for Exploring the Word, or you can go to our streaming service that you don't have to worry about getting knocked off of is streaming.afa.net. And the reason I say knocked off of is because, you know, some of our fellow programs, they've met roadblocks from time to time, haven't they, Alex? They sure have. They sure have. But we, we're so blessed with all the technology, the the radio stations. Sometimes we use the term terrestrial radio. That's like radio stations. Mm-hmm. But then we're also streaming. And, uh, Jim, we get correspondence quite literally from around the world. And um, over the weekend, I, I got four letters and emails from listeners and um, I just, we give God the glory. Um, here's a gentleman named Terry. He writes and he says, um, you and Bird have helped me more than you will ever know. I've prayed about writing you for more than a year. He says, you have no idea how you have helped me and guided me in your teaching of the word of God. Uh, please know how grateful we are. You're helping so many and I give God the glory. God bless you, Alex and Bert and Jim. We, we get letters like this. I got two uh, questions over the Facebook page over the weekend uh, on the end of time. Are we near the return of Christ? Mm. And we might be, but I just want to say it is a joy for all the people listening, and many of you reach out to us. And I, I just want to say we thank God for each and every one of you, and to open God's Word and to proclaim the truth of the gospel. It is an honor beyond words. Amen. Uh, 888-589-8840 is the number to call with your Bible questions. And for those of you that might be watching the stream or watching us on Facebook, you'll see that I have two laptops in front of me. That's how hard I have to work to keep up with Alex McFarland. I'm just telling you. Let's start. No, no, no. (laughs) Let's start in Texas with Zach. Zach, good afternoon and welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, guys. Um, thank you for all that you do, first off. Um, I'm a 24-year-old man. I'm in a, um, a good biblical community. Um, I really just want to know how, how can we hold each other responsibly without kind of condemning one another? Um, a lot of us, you know, there's a few of us that are just living in habitual sin, and Paul does give us um, instruction for the church and how we are to handle that. But, you know, how do we go about keeping each other accountable in that way? Mm. Wow, that, that's a great question. And, you know, we were talking about revival, and one of the 
one of the pathways for the Holy Spirit to move is what we would call holiness, personal holiness. Now, we get saved by putting our faith in Jesus, but there's not only Christian birth, there's Christian growth. And Jim, I think it's very important that all people, um, guys have some men in their life that they can look eyeball to eyeball and say, are you walking with Jesus? Uh, are you are you being godly in the very secret parts of your life? And Jim, um, I think ideally it's got to be that we love the Lord and we're mindful. Just like you read that verse in Proverbs 17 about the refiner's fire. Mm-hmm. And it says, but God sees our heart, you know. So, number one, I think we have to keep uh, conviction that, that God sees us. That is Proverbs seventeen three. God knows our heart. But, Jim, I think it's very important. Um, I, I'm very blessed. For 24 years, I've had a dear friend, and I know you know him, Sue, Stuart Epperson. Do you, mm, you know him, Jim? I do. Stu and I have prayed on the phone probably about three or four days a week for 24 years. And then, you know, I've got others, you and Bert. Uh, but, Jim, we, we've got to have accountability, don't we? Well, we do. And here's, you know, the question was about uh, responsibility. How do we keep each other responsible? How do we do that without being condemning? Well, Alex, that's a fine line to walk uh, because we, we want to start with what Jesus said, do unto others as we would have them do unto us. But, Alex, the reason we don't have the accountability partners that we need to have is simply a matter of trust. And and I hate to say that, but, you know, it it goes back to some of what we were reading in Proverbs today. If someone has asked you to hold them responsible, that means they also have to be able to trust you to take and, and be able to reveal that secret, to be able to reveal that sin that you may have stumbled into. But, Alex, at the same time, we want to be restored with love. We don't want to be restored with a, with a lash or a, a whip where we're being beat on with it or, much worse, having it held over our head so that we will try, they will try and get something out of us. Right. And if somebody confides in you a struggle or a spiritual issue, I mean, we need to be like a bank vault. Mm. You don't – if somebody – now – Legally, I mean, if somebody said, hey, I'm contemplating suicide or something, I mean, if somebody is going to do themselves harm, you have really a legal and fiduciary responsibility to try to get them help. But if somebody, just like, um, you know, if you're in a couple of two or three guys in a prayer group, and I'm sure, you know, women have prayer groups. Angie, my wife, is in a Bible study with four or five ladies from church. But be a person that you don't tell secrets. Mm. Be a person that if somebody confides in you, it will never leave the room. You know what I'm saying, Jim? Oh, absolutely. You know, because you don't want to make it a matter of prayer for the whole church. You know, (laughs) it's not one of those things that where you may be having prayer meeting on Wednesday night and all of a sudden you raise your hand and you say, well, I want you to know Jim Stanley told me this. And so we need to be praying for Jim about that. No, you have an unspoken request because Mm. God knows the heart. So it goes back to trust, and we have to be careful. But at the same time, we do want to hold each other responsible. Uh, but I, I still think that the easiest way to do that is if you're going to love somebody, you shouldn't have to warn them in advance. You mm. know, I'm going to love wow. you, but. So there we go. All right, let's talk to Judith calling from West Virginia. Judith, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you for taking my call, and we do... I learn a lot from your program. I would like to ask my question, then hang up so I can turn the radio up and hear the answer. And my question is, what is being slain in the Spirit, and was it practiced by the early church? All right, that's a great question. We appreciate your call, Judith. Alex, that's one of the things that we find more predominantly among our Pentecostal brethren, isn't it? Well, it is, it is, and do you know what, um, slain in the Spirit, I'm trying to think if, if that phrase is actually in the Bible. I, now, I think in Revelation seven, Revelation one seventeen. all right, John is getting his vision, 
that would become the book of Revelation. And he says he fell on his face as one that were dead. Um, maybe that's a New Testament example. But, you know, I will tell you, I've been in meetings where, and, and it's a precious thing, when the presence of the Holy Spirit is so strong in the room. And those of you, if you've ever been in a revival meeting where the room, all I can say it is like this, the room was thick with the presence mm. of God. If you've ever been in a meeting, you know it. And, Jim, I've seen people come to an altar and weep. I've seen people fall back in the pew almost like they were, you know, semi-unconscious. All I can say, slain in the Spirit, in the sense most people use that, it's that you're, you're so overcome with the presence of God that you, you may fall to your knees in prayer, you may bow your head. And, Jim, have you ever been in a situation you're about to cry, you're about to laugh, but you're just about to bust wide open because you're just so full of the reality of Jesus. Have you ever felt like that? I have. Oh, I have too. You know, you got and and I want to caution. This is not telling you not to do something. Be very. Let me be very clear about that. But if you go into a prayer meeting and you find that overwhelming presence of God, and you ask God to do something, you better be ready for Him to do it. Uh, Alex, I think I found one other example uh, in Matthew seventeen six, and it's where the uh, they had gathered there at the Mount of Transfiguration. And in mm-hmm. seventeen six, it says, "When the disciples heard it, they fell on their face and were sore afraid." You know, sometimes we get so close to God, it makes us afraid, because mm-hmm. if we're at that point with Him, we know that He sees everything. But we've also forgotten that he sees us through the blood of Christ and has forgiven us everything. I, I always find it that when people are that close to God and they're afraid, it should be a heavenly fear, you know, a, a, a very wholesome, uh, if you will, time that you're prepared to meet and, and be met by God. Amen? Mm-hmm. Amen. Wonderful. Great questions. Let's talk to Steve now in Indiana. Steve, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hey, thank you, brothers. I uh, really appreciate your show, and uh, I can't tell you how much impact it's had on my family and their witness and and faith. So kudos, and uh, can't wait to meet you someday. But the question I have is, I'm trying to witness to my future son-in-law, and he's he's a non-believer, and the questions come up, how come in the Gospels there's so many different variations of the empty tomb? And I'm not sure how to answer that. All right, Steve, that's a great question. Alex, part of that is simply because of the different authors telling their version, the different witnesses, if you will, telling their version of what happened there. Uh, Go into that for us, if you would. Well, praise God. Yeah, these are what are called the resurrection narratives. And really, there, there is no conflict. Now, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the four Gospels. And let me just say this, that while... Each gospel writer, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they give complementary details. Uh, They're not contradictory details. Actually, in one of my books, I wrote a book called Ten Answers for Skeptics, and I made a chart of every resurrection scripture and who came, the women, how many angels were there, and I'm going to send that to Brent Austin, a PDF, and he'll post it on the Facebook page. It might take us a day or so, but look on the Exploring the Word Facebook page for my chart where I look, and you'll see there are no contradictory details. Um, you've, you've got the women. They went uh, at dark just as the sun was rising. The stone was rolled away. There were uh, two angels, and the angels said, He is not here. He is risen. See the place where he lay. And then they went and told Peter. Now, here's my point. I've got two friends, one that was a decorated law enforcement officer, Jay Warner Wallace, the very famed Los Angeles cold case detective that Jim Wallace could crack the cases nobody else could crack. Then Lee Strobel, who did his law degree at Yale University. Both of these guys have said what brought them to faith was... Uh, were the resurrection accounts because Jim Wallace, he said, 
If all four Gospels were in lockstep rigidly, he said that would look like collusion, like, okay, let's get our story straight. But no, the fact that you have complementary details, not contradictory, but complementary details, actually Strobel and Wallace both, both of whom law and law enforcement, they said this shows the truth of it, that you're, you're, what you're reading are eyewitness accounts of those who found that empty tomb. Amen. Let's talk to Tom real quick from Illinois. Tom, welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. Uh, Alex, this is actually direct to you, Jim, no offense intended. None taken. Uh, I want to thank you for talking about the Asbury uh, revival down there. Uh, uh, my son, my he's 21 years old now, but son, my wife, and myself, ever since we've heard about it, we've been praying pretty much you know, nonstop on and off to further it, you know, to see if the Lord is going to actually get his winnowing fanned out and, and make it spread not just across the nation, but across the world, for that matter, all the way around. Amen. Any suggestions on how to help it along, other than keep on praying? Wow. Hey, great. God bless you. And uh, listen, every single one of us will be blessed if we become a student of revival and an intercessor for revival. Uh, Jim, I'm reading about it. They're saying in the history of Asbury School, this might be the ninth revival in the history of that school. And um, again, folks, let me just say that when the Lord shows up in your church or your community, you'll know it. Um, I want to say this, Jim, and I want your response, because it's been my joy to travel and preach a lot of revival services, and we've, we have seen some amazing works of God. Um, we can't like physically create a revival. Uh, it's a work of God. But I do think like on a, on a boat, we can, we can position our sails to catch the wind, right? And so what do we do? We pray. Um, we confess all known sin. And we, we pray for Jesus to be exalted and glorified. But one of the keys is unity within the body of Christ. Mm. And I just want to encourage everybody. And look, I know that we all have our denominational differences and perhaps our distinctives. But look, um, if you believe Jesus is the Son of God who died on the cross and rose again, we are family. We need each other. So let's pray for and seek after unity in the body of believers. Amen. It's one of those cases that if you have multiple people rowing in different directions, you're going to have a hard time getting the boat to go straight ahead. And that's what we want this revival to do. So do be in prayer for that. Alex, thanks for letting me hang out with you. Well, this is great. Jim Stanley, thank you so much. And listeners, thank you for tuning in to Exploring the Word. We're going to do it again tomorrow. And uh, we're going to be still in Proverbs uh, 17. Probably go back and revisit chapter 16 if you want to read ahead. But folks, thanks for listening to the American Family Radio Network. Please do pray for the United States of America. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word, but most of all, tell everybody about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.